You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Do you do the shopping on the Black Friday? Do you get out there and, like, you know, punch old ladies to try to get a PlayStation? Like, what what do you do on the Friday? I just punch old ladies on a Friday anyway, so it has nothing to do with whether or not I need Christmas shopping. I just I just go out, and I, I'm in an old ladies fight club. Yeah. Um, so I put on the wig, and I take out the dentures and the whole nine yards. It's great. Uh, but I, I, I no, I, I don't always do it. If there's something in particular that we've been looking for that I know that there's deals on, I will... I will absolutely kick granny down the stairs for it but i hope rick Hahn shops on black friday because boy howdy does he need some bargains all i'm doing on a black friday is uh, sitting around refreshing my twitter to see whether or not the white Sox are making moves and also looking for uh, the eventual like store videotapes of mini riots like just people going nuts and knocking over a display case i can't wait to see them they're, they're, they're bad every year, and they're going to exist this year as well. I don't go out at all on this day. I'll do small business Saturday. Like, I'll get out there and support my oh, local yeah. businesses and, uh, and, and all yeah. the advertisers on Socks in the Basement. And, and, like, I'll probably be sitting at Hailstorm having a beer. I'm going to slide over to Cork and Carry. I'm going to go take a look at Morningwood Bats online and maybe buy a couple of gifts. Like, I, I might get some shoes over at Red Wing Shoes. Who else? I got to get some. I might just drive through Lamont. Just drive through the village of Lamont, you know, and just pick look something up there. Look, right. at, look at what they put on. Yeah, just go go ride through there. Maybe I'll get the basement waterproof with family waterproofing solutions. Even though right now we're doing pretty well, but it's Small Business Saturday. I'm sure there's something that they could do for me. I would just, I, that's what I would do. I'd go over to Hyatt Home Medical Equipment and just pick something up. Like, that's what I'm going to do on my Saturday. Friday, eh, eh, I'm just going to avoid the whole freaking mess just a, it's just a disaster out did there did you get them all did, did, did you just hit for the uh the socks in the basement sponsor cycle yeah I, almost everybody i didn't get parente and norm with the thousand dollar guest bounty so remember to sign up for that and uh they they do that i hit everybody there yeah yeah there you go now we, now we got them all we talked on the last show if you missed it it's on demand across all podcast players at socks in the basement.com we talked about white Sox positional players hitters we talked about who we trusted who we didn't trust and try to kind of get a picture of what the team is right now. We're going to do pitchers today, and we're going to just kind of take a look at how it all sets up for them currently on this roster. And I think we can start right off by saying that this bullpen is a disaster if you look at their 2022 numbers. And the problem is Rick Hahn is attached to all of them. Like, like he has to admit fault moving on from pretty much any one of them. Right. I mean, Liam Hendricks is good, really good. We've talked about how he could be trade bait and you could move off some of his money, maybe attach somebody you don't like on the team who's got a bad contract because you got a few of those to him, get something back for him. We've broken all that down because you have all these other relief pitchers. And if you really believe that they're going to perform this year, you may not need Liam. He wasn't even a two win above replacement with B War on baseball reference. He's probably worth a couple of wins. For the entire year, you've got guys who have closed before, like Kendall Graveman. You've got a guy who I think could be a closer in Reynaldo Lopez. So that's that's a that's something they could examine this offseason. Hendricks good. Graveman a 1.40 whip. That's walks and hits per innings pitch. He puts way too many guys on. Uh, Aaron Bummer, 1.5. Did you see Kelly's whip? 
1.595. Diekman was a 1.914. And Ruiz, yeah. just doing what Ruiz does. He has one season where he actually looked halfway decent. But his career numbers are much closer to last year's whip of 1.418. And the White Sox seem married to all of these guys. Most they went out and acquired in free agent deals through a trade, or they gave him like a deal for like multiple years, like Aaron Bummer. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez is a bright spot, 0.949 whip. And Jimmy Lambert, not bad out of the bullpen with a 1.362. And I think he remains in the bullpen. Garrett Crochet should come back. He should take one of their jobs. They'll probably just bump Lambert down, even though he shouldn't be the guy. They should get rid of one of these other guys, but they're married to so many of them. Tanner Banks wasn't bad last year in his appearances. Matt Foster wasn't bad last year in his when you look at overall numbers. But that's your bullpen right now as it sits. Lambert, Lopez, Hendricks, Graveman, Bummer, Kelly, Diekman, Ruiz, I believe, would be the expected bullpen, not counting the five starting pitchers, if you're 13 and 13 with players and pitchers. Okay, what do, what do you take from that, Ed? Uh, Pepto-Bismol, mostly. That's what I take from that. I mean, it's brutal, just, right? I mean, like, here's the thing. And this happens, not just White Sox, but it happens all over baseball, okay? When you're paying for the back of the baseball card with relievers in particular, they're so fickle, okay? Joe Kelly has a good couple of years, but then last year was a disaster, an unmitigated disaster. Kendall Graveman has one really good year where he looks like a closer as opposed to a guy who's a failed fifth starter. And, you know, you, you give him this money because he's a versatile reliever, and that's fine. And, and I'm not, not bagging Kendall Graveman as, as a guy that you can't rely on, but he's not necessarily what you expected him to be. And when you get guys like Tanner Banks, okay, Tanner Banks is a nothing guy out there. The Sox get him. They see something in him. They put him in the bullpen. He has a good, respectable year. He's a useful player, and that's great. Or when you draft a guy like Garrett Crochet, who I believe, and I am so tired of hearing people say that he's a starter. I don't, I've don't. i never seen that from him. I don't think he's ever going to be a starter. He doesn't have enough pitches, No, and I don't see how he ever becomes a starting pitcher. He He's a two-pitch guy. They messed up his plan years ago. And now we're just getting to a point in his career where I just don't know if it's ever going to happen. I mean, they, they may they may force it along at some point, but you listen to Ethan Katz talk last week. That I, that's not happening this year, and I don't think that's ever happening. I, I really don't. you got a left-handed relief pitcher with a first-round draft pick. Look, and, and, and that's okay, too, because I think he was drafted, partially because Rick Hahn, and credit to Rick Hahn, with some of his draft choices when he does when they've done this and the Sox have done this in the past, like Chris sale comes to mind. And there's a reason why there's a, there's a comparison to be made there. But I think Garrett crochet was viewed as being a very major league ready arm and a guy that they could plug into the major league roster without seasoning him in the minors. But what you lose with the seasoning, when you bring him straight up is you basically sit there and say, this is a reliever. This is a potential high leverage reliever, which can mean a lot of things these days. And possibly even a future closer. Okay, I, I I buy all of that. But Garrett Crochet's, he's got a changeup that, meh, you know, n- never been great for him. But he's basically a fastball slider guy. And, and that's fine. And that's what you need out of the bullpen. Out of a lefty who's going to go out, come out, throw hard, throw a good biting hard slider, get guys out, mix in the occasional changeup to guy, throw guys off balance, especially right-handed batters. Perfect 
mix for a reliever. So I'm I'm okay with him being a reliever. I don't actually I don't I don't actually fault that. I just I bristle at the idea when people sit there and we say, well, we we need a fifth starter on this team, but Garrett Crochet is coming back. The other thing too is Garrett Crochet may not be fully effective until the second half of the year. There's going to be some time there where he's going to need to get that arm back into game action, right? Guys don't have the control. They don't necessarily the velocity comes back, but they don't have the control. So it's going to be a bit for for Garrett Crochet. But the bullpen beyond Liam Hendricks, Aaron Bummer, I, I understand all the talent in the world in terms of how his pitches move and, and the stuff, the pure stuff. You know, it's fun to watch when it's working because it moves so much and, and everything. The guy the guy needs a team of all-star defenders behind him. And, and without a doubt. He needs he needs the best range and hands of of infielders he can get his hands on. He's a contact pitcher. He, here's what Aaron Bummer is. He's effectively wild, right? So you need guys to chase. Because I don't think he puts three strikes in the strike zone every time that he gets up there. He's one of those guys that just kind of like fires that sucker and you you hope it's close enough he that a player He doesn't know where reaches. it's going. Yeah, you, he has no idea where the ball is going. And then he gets a lot of contact and you need to have defense, especially in your infield. And if you don't have that, you've got problems with Aaron Bummer. And 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 so he's he's a real concern for me whenever he comes out because... I mean, look, you could throw every stat you want in the world at me. I, I, I could sit there and watch Aaron Bummer with my two eyes, and I can tell you, here's a guy that just lets the ball go, and who knows where that thing's going to end up. And if it's put into play, you better hope that you have guys that can use the glove. And the White Sox don't give me a lot of confidence with that. Didn't, didn't Liam Hendricks say something along the lines of he had to try and strike everybody out this year because he didn't trust the guys behind him? Yeah, he doesn't trust them. The wood from this tree melts the ball. Deep to right field. Into the bleachers. Morningwoodbats.com is a custom wooden baseball bat company that'll help you smoke them over the fence. Check out our custom bat builder that allows you to pick the wood species, model, and color, and get custom personalized engraving that'll be drop shipped right to you. Put some life in your lumber with Morningwood. Morningwoodbats.com. 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 Do it today. Socks in the Basement listeners, remember to put in Socks 22 when you make your purchase at MorningwoodBats.com. Get 10% off. Joe Kelly, let's talk about him real quick, okay? Because I think that that's a guy, you, you have to you have to make a decision on him in your mind as a fan. Like, what do you think Joe Kelly is? So he was a starting pitcher for most of the beginning of his career, and at 29 years old, he's full-time for the first time ever as a relief pitcher. He has 54 appearances. He never starts a game. He he's 73 appearances the next year with Boston. He goes to the Dodgers. He is a flat-out relief pitcher. Every once in a while, he's been an opener twice, but just as an opener. Over the period of time from 2017 through 2021, when he's with the Red Sox and the Dodgers, over those five seasons, he has a combined walks and hits per innings pitched of 1.253, which is acceptable for a relief pitcher, okay? It's not dominating. It's not closer or setup guy stuff. But in terms of the amount of guys he puts on base, it's acceptable for a relief pitcher. He's a guy that maybe you see in the sixth inning or seventh inning overall. And when you break it down year by year, he had two exceptional years, a 1.19 whip in 2017 and a 0.977 in 21, which is why the White Sox go out and acquire him for 22. But the other years in that stretch, he's over 1.3 twice. He's over 1.5 in one of the other years. 
So those two really good years make that five years of him as a relief pitcher look acceptable. And now we see him at age 34 go out with a 1.595. And now I know he got behind the eight ball. And we talked about this with Don Paul, former White Sox relief pitcher, about how you start looking at the stats and you go out and you just keep trying to chase it because you want to make your stats look better and it can get in your head. And that may have happened to him. But when I look at his last six years, I see a guy that'll have a really great season and will have a really bad season. And I don't know what he's going to be this year, but he's definitely going to be in your bullpen because you signed him. So I don't know what you think he's going to be. I don't know how much trust I have in him, though, when I look at it through that prism, Ed. I worry about paying for success in Chavez Ravine with pitchers, okay? Because we watched a guy like Andrew Haney last year go from being horribly mediocre with the Angels and then he gets into the Dodgers rotation, and, and now he got hurt, but comes out smoking, right, and has himself a season. And Tyler Anderson is kind of a nothing guy with the Rockies and Tigers, and then he comes out and has a really good year for the Dodgers. And you have this thing, I'm not saying like Clayton Kershaw is overrated or something like that, you know, because I, I, I feel like there's always that that touch of of you start saying that there's a ballpark bias or a team bias that that helps pitchers or helps hitters. And people sit there and go, yeah, but what about this guy? But here's the thing. So Joe Kelly has a good year in Boston in 2017 as a reliever. His next two years are pedestrian years as relievers. He's basically Matt Foster. Or he's Ruiz. He's Jose Ruiz, especially in 19. He's Ruiz, Jose Ruiz. Yeah. yeah. That's what he is. Yeah, in particular. 2020, let's face it, 2020 was all about coming out. Who was the hottest at the time that the season started, right? I'll throw 2020 out. I'm fine with that because it was a shortened season and he's a relief pitcher and he only had 12 games that he appeared in. I'm fine with that. So you're really talking about his first year as a reliever and his last year as a reliever. And in the between, there's a lot of Jose Ruizisms. Okay. <laughs> and and even in 2020, there's, you know, there is this thing where the where guys go to the Dodgers and they are very, very successful and they don't have to be superstars when they go there, but they can look really good. And I think it's a combo plate of how the Dodgers approach pitching. I think it's a combo plate of what that ballpark is capable of doing to help pitchers. And I think it's probably some pitching philosophy that's there as well that he comes out. Now, again, last year, there's an injury. I don't think Joe Kelly is a guy who's going to sport a six ERA and a whip of, of 1.59 and and is going to be, you know, this, this absolute train wreck that he was, but I do think he's probably closer to his 2018, 2019 self a little bit more of that Jose Ruiz type of guy with maybe slightly better results than Ruiz will give you in that. I think Kelly actually has out pitches that Ruiz doesn't really have. Okay. So I don't trust him to be the setup guy the the lockdown eighth inning guy that they're paying him to be. I do trust him to be an average to slightly above average middle to late innings guy like he's he's just a dude is in my mind right you know what he is to me he's the kind of guy that you're hoping your pitching coach Ethan Katz is and and the rest of the brain trust over at the White Sox this year that are going to be running day-to-day in-game decision making you're hoping that they put him up against the right matchups you got to put him in the right situations at the right time to maximize what he can give you because he's, you're right. He, first of all, he's a different style pitcher than just to go out there and dominate. 
And it's going to depend on who's coming up in the order, how he's used, how he's feeling and how they evaluate him. Cause he's a guy who could, you, you know, he could have some big moments where you're like, yeah, that's the right guy to bring in there. And he did his job. And then he's going to have a couple of moments where you're just going to put your head down and go, Oh, how long is this guy around for? Like, I don't think he's a bad player to have in your bullpen. I just don't think he's some people see him as like a higher end guy than probably what he really is. He's definitely a major league baseball relief pitcher who's going to have a better season than last year. But I just it depends on where you're slotting him as to whether or not I think you've got him in the right in the right place. Right. I mean, it, I would I would right now in high leverage situations still rather have effectively wild Aaron Bummer, Kendall Graveman or Liam Hendricks in there if I've got to pick from who's there and Reynaldo Lopez. Okay, in fact, I put Reynaldo Lopez right after Hendricks if I was going down the line. Okay, I I trust him probably more than I trust most guys that are in that bullpen before I got to Kelly, unless the matchup made sense for him. A guy I don't trust in any way is Jake Diekman. I didn't like the move when they made it. I yelled about it on this show. He he wasn't very good for you last year, and he really should be the left-handed pitcher that doesn't exist anymore in the bullpen if you have a healthy bummer Diekman and Crochet, right? Do you really need three lefties? But the problem is, is that you traded for him and he's under contract and you're paying him money once again. And, and, and you were right. I mean, we we spun it different ways when they made the deal. A lot of people are excited about it. I was like, you're going to hate this guy. I know you're going to hate what he does. He's going to have he's going to have games where you're just going to just want to bang your head off the bar. And, and that happened multiple times last year. Well, and, and what that is, is Jake Diekman's numbers last year are not major league numbers. You, you can't you cannot have him doing what he did and call him a major league pitcher. You just, you simply cannot do that. But this is also a guy who's got, you know, a lengthy career and he's on the downslope of it. And you look at his career numbers, you go, oh, 387 ERA and, uh, you know, a career whip of uh, 1.4 isn't great, but uh, it's, you know, terrible. It's, it's respectable it's for, for a, effectively for a loogie, yeah. for, for a loogie, for a lefty one out guy. And that's the problem, right? He was a lefty one out guy for, for years, his his career high in games was 73 for the 2014 Phillies, right? 76, I'm sorry. He, he pitched 76 in 2019 over the course of two teams, too, between Oakland and, uh, and Kansas City. But the, the rules have changed. He's now a multi-batter pitcher. He's got to be. And and he's, he's now not a 20-something who maybe can rock and fire with, uh, you know, and, and rely on stuff or rely on velocity. He's a 35-year-old specialist where the specialty doesn't exist anymore, which means he really, really, really needs to not be on a major league roster anywhere. And, and that's a harsh thing to probably say. And I'm sure, again, if he and I were sitting at a bar together and having a beer, I'd probably be like, you're a great guy, man. Yeah, but I'd be like, you're, but you're terrible. But you need to you need to retire and go into the booth with, with uh, you know, DJ once Jason Benetti goes and, and starts doing national games full time. So listen, I, I got that wrong too. He's not a 1.914 for the season last year. That's what he did for the White Sox over 26 games. That's what he did for the White Sox. His yeah. season though was 1.63. So a runner is two thirds so on. So he was still terrible uh, for the entire season. Okay. I mean, it was, it's still, it's still the worst pitcher statistically in terms of how many guys he puts on base. You want to look at his FIP, his fielding independent pitching for the season was a five. His ERA would have been five with all fielders basically being the same, which matches his ERA of 4.99. And if you're going to have that as a relief pitcher, you're not really an effective relief pitcher. You're not somebody that anybody who's competitive wants. I mean, the Pittsburgh Pirates would release this guy 
And he wouldn't even be good enough to try to make a spot on their team right now based upon the last couple of years that he's put up there, and especially after last year if it weren't for the money. That's, he's he's going to be on your roster this year because you acquired him and because of the money attached to him. That's the only reason. And and this is it's that's a shame. All right, so here we go. Look at that bullpen, and then we're going to get to the starters here. Who do you trust? Because I trust Reynaldo Lopez. I trust Liam Hendricks. And depending on the defensive alignment out there, I would I I'd hide behind a pillow on the couch like I was watching a scary movie. But I would watch Aaron Bummer come out there. Uh, Kendall Graveman, to me, I go back on what we talked about before. His numbers in Seattle were the reason he looked so good. And outside of that ballpark, he was not the same pitcher. He was what he was last year for you. Okay, and I the idea that he is a a setup man with the amount of guys he puts on base is is baffling to me. I kind of trust Jimmy Lambert, even though he's not perfect. Okay, even though I'd like to see him keep more guys off base than what he did, I would take him out. Um, anybody you'd add or subtract to that list? No, I, I not really. I mean, you know, even looking at the forty man, I've got. You know, I, I, like you said, Matt Foster was fine last year, I guess, but uh, he's not a guy that I think is really going to do it for them long term. Healthy Crochet, I trust. I trust him a lot more I than some of the other guys. I, I trust a healthy Crochet. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing if Tanner Banks could be something better because of in, in his sample size last year, Tanner he did Banks. well. Yeah, yeah. I, I would take Tanner Banks as well, based on last year. If he if he repeats last year, I, I would take Tanner Banks. I that's about it. But you're asking me who do I trust out of those guys? I gotta be honest with you, I don't know how much I trust any of them. Socks in the Basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Let's take a look at the starters here as we get towards the end of the show. Um, I'll say it plainly. I trust Dylan Cease. He's your ace. I I don't know if we can get it. I I don't even know if it makes sense to have a conversation outside of he's the number one on the team. Okay. When I look at the rest of them, I see a Lance Lynn who I believe, just based on outside observation of the intensity of the man, is the kind of guy this offseason who understands I got to make sure that I'm in good shape, I'm ready to pitch, and I am going to go out and have a season this year. And I think he's completely capable of it because it always felt like he had a bad year last year. But when you look at his numbers, it wasn't the worst. He was still a very effective pitcher, and I have him slotted as my second best pitcher on this staff. And then I look at Michael Kopech, Lucas Giolito, and Davis Martin. Right now, if you look at what the White Sox 40 man is, if they don't add any pitching, those are the likely three other starters on this team, I believe. And I look at a Kopech and say 1.19 whip last year and keeping guys off base 
and pitching around 120 innings. And if he can be healthy, he's definitely the third starter. But I don't know if he's healthy. I look at Davis Martin. I say, I don't know enough about this kid. He's just like a find. He could come out and continue to get better. He could come out and that could have been a flash in the pan. And you sit there and go, Davis Martin, who in about a year? I have no idea what he's going to be. And Lucas Giolito, 1.435 whip last year, but the three years previous, he was extremely effective. He was a he was a good, solid pitcher, and I believe can bounce back. When I talk about you should move him, I say that because if he bounces back, he's definitely not coming back to the White Sox. If he doesn't bounce back, do you really want to keep him if he has two bad years? If he If he does the same thing in 23 as he did in 22. But if they keep him, I expect him to be the third or fourth starter on this team at a minimum because I think he's going to bounce back. So after I lay that out for you, your reaction to it. Okay, so taking him kind of in reverse here. Lucas Giolito, the risk you run is a couple of years ago when Yohan Moncada had the bad 2020, he had COVID, his, his numbers were down from 2019, and there dared to be suggestion that maybe he was trade bait to try and fix some of what ailed the White Sox because he was at perhaps his maximum value. If things went and he rebounded, then the team that traded for him was getting what they expected, and there was still that possibility, right? If he didn't, which he hasn't, then you're stuck with a guy. So what you're really worried about with Lucas Giolito is him coming out and having a questionable or bad year. And you're not worried about being stuck with the money because he will walk or you can walk away from him at the end of 2023 if it's bad. But if this is a moment where you're looking to trade and you're looking to sit there and say, we need to have one or two more starters on the roster than we have now. And Ethan Katz has already said that publicly. They need to have another starter at a minimum. Easily. They should have two more. They easily need one more starter. Easily one more. And it should be it should be a third or fourth starter. It should be a guy that you sit there and say, well, that's a three on this team. Okay? At minimum, the four on this team. That's that's really what it Absolutely. should be. You know, if you're trading for young guys that are going to be the back end of a rotation, okay, that's okay. But if Giolito can, can help fix that, because he is worth something to, to some teams right now who think that 2022 Lucas Giolito was a guy that hit the weights the wrong way. Uh, you know, was a guy that was maybe pressing too much to try and prove that he's the ace. Was a guy that's, you know, looking at, you know, kind of setting himself up for a contract year. Whatever it is, there's still value to Lucas Giolito. So if you're going to move on from him, that you're moving on because you're sitting there going, all right, I can either fix what I have because this guy's worth something now, or, yeah, ride it out and he should be your third or fourth starter. Lance Lynn, I agree with you. I think Lance Lynn can have a bounce back year but he's not bouncing back from anything bad. He's just bouncing back from a year that wasn't as good as it could have been, but certainly wasn't bad by any metric. Dylan Cease is 100% your ace. The last two guys, Davis Martin, I agree. I don't know what he is. Jonathan Stevers coming back. He was supposed to be another guy. You look at the, the, the minors, Jason Billis is kind of the only other guy that's really down there that did a, did a whole lot of starting last year. Sean Burke is another guy. They don't have a whole lot coming up in the minors, so you're going to have to be surprised by somebody if it's going to be a young guy again, like Davis Martin kind of did last year, sort of comes out of nowhere. And you can't count on that. No, and you can't and you can't count on Martin necessarily even getting better, okay? Any more than Jimmy Lambert, you know, going to the bullpen makes him better, 
But if he was still being talked about as a starter, we'd be looking at him going, hey, this guy hasn't done anything to show that he can he can win starts. So the biggest X factor for me is Michael Kopech. And, and my problem with Michael Kopech is not the stuff, it's not the makeup, it's not his ability to dominate when he's on. My problem is I just don't know if the guy is actually going to, at some point, have a body part fall off of him mid-delivery <laughs> on the mound. His most consistent pitch has seemed to be the one where he pulls a muscle, okay? It, it's just it, it, he's had some knee tweaks and some hamstring tweaks the past couple of years. He obviously had the arm problem right at the start. There's something about the guy's delivery, something about the guy's body type. It just lends itself to these these small injuries, and you can disguise it if you've got depth and the White Sox don't. So that's where we're saying right now, if you kept Lucas Giolito right now and went and got Johnny Cueto back, we still need another starter on this team to, to backstop Davis Martin too, because at some point Lance Lynn is also a guy that has had some injury issues. Uh, it's not out of the question that Giolito or Cease could have, you know, could need a break, you know, could need a, a, a stint on the, the IL for something, a blister or something, right? You have to plan ahead. My biggest problem with the White Sox starting pitching, there just isn't enough of it. You don't even have 80% of a rotation because your rotation has to go beyond five guys. It's got to be like seven, eight guys deep, and they have four, maybe five if you if you can scrape somebody up from the minors. Yeah, they need they need two starting pitchers added to this team. They really do. They need to because you you're right. You even if Giolito comes back and pitches. Uh, and and last year was an anomaly, and he goes back to what he was. And Lance Lynn is going to stay healthy for most of the year, but he's going to need to have some time off. Just based upon his age, he's going to need some time off, right? Okay, and you sit there and say, I believe Dylan Cease is just going to come back and be the same, if not better, and he's going to be consistent. He's going to pitch the entire year. Those three things, you want to just assume that, that's fine. Michael Kopech and being unable to trust that he's going to be there the whole year. And Davis Martin trying to trust that he's going to be capable of pitching an entire season every five days. I think that's a massive mistake. And so you have you have two guys that, you know, maybe, who knows, but you don't need just one guy to back those guys up or compete with them or force one of them to to maybe not be a starter every five days. Like Martin all of a sudden goes back to AAA and he's there, he's there to break glass in case of emergency. And you have and you have yet another starter on there as well on your roster. Okay, depending on whether or not Kopech is is going to be able to go the whole year. You know, I I would like to see a legit third starter brought onto this team, and I would like to see them then pick up another player that. Who knows? Maybe they're just like in the Vince Velasquez role where they're sitting in the bullpen and they do some spot starts, right? Or you sign somebody to a minor league contract like you did with Cueto. I'm fine with that other starter being that, but you have to add two more starting pitchers to this team. You you really do. And I wonder if Michael Kopech re- regrets the decision. He was one of the few that did it who decided not to pitch in 2020 when given the option to sit out because of COVID-19, knowing now like, you know, being able to look back, hindsight being 2020, I wonder if he ever sits there and says, man, I shouldn't have lost that season, even if it was short. You know, that could have been my chance to start ramping up and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be still so far behind becoming what I wanted to become. Because, again, 120 innings last year, that's the best that he's ever been able to do. I'm sure that young man wishes that he could be going longer and have worked through some of the problems that we still look at when we see his name and go, well, here's a glaring issue. Here's things that I'm unsure about. I mean, we're talking about trusting guys. I trust Dylan Cease. 
I trust Lance Lynn as far as I can trust a guy who, with his size and his age, will probably have to hit the IL at least one point this year. And I trust that Lucas Giolito could be effective next year. I actually, if I had to bet, I think he's going to revert back closer to what he was the three years beforehand. I just know this is the last year he's probably on your roster. Okay, and the and then Kopech and Martin, I don't trust because there's just not enough there for me to trust them. Yeah, well, trust, much like Lucas Giolito's future contract, is going to be earned, and it's got to be earned on the field. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found, and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.